I just want to quickly pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Dan. We thank you that you take him out of the way. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll speak through him. And we pray that your word that's being delivered this morning will achieve the purposes for which you have sent it. Amen. Thank you to the, the worship team for that beautiful time of worship. I enjoyed that rollership. Did you? That was lovely. Um, I didn't ask for that song at the end. I didn't know that was coming, but I actually think that it is an incredibly appropriate song to have led into my message this morning, because um, this morning I want to talk about how God's way is better um, in one particular topic, and it may just shake up some of the ideas you have. We'll see. So I wanted to uh, start this morning just by telling you about a movie that I saw recently. So there was this movie, and um, this, this, this young boy from the country came into a place where there was, uh, he met this girl. She was way above his social station. So, you know, he was the country bumpkin. She was like this, this fine woman. Um, and then, you know, there was like, they just didn't get along very well, and there was this tension. And then um, eventually, you know, he does something which she kind of notices, and she suddenly thinks, hey, you know, actually, this is a... This is a really sweet boy, but then he thinks that all is lost and he decides to leave again. And then when she realizes she's losing him, she realizes, hey, you know what? I, actually, I love this guy. And so she runs after him and there's this incredible thing where it's, it's a wonderful story. Do you know the movie I'm talking about? You're there thinking, this sounds like a lot of movies I've seen, right? Okay. There's a reason for that. It's because it's a winning formula. It's the secret to love. <laughs> and every movie has it. Every story has it. They all sound the same. It all starts with, you know, people that don't like, then they do like, and then love happens. One problem. I think the story, and all these stories, are spectacularly back to front. Spectacularly. I think that sometimes we try and take these love stories and we try and replicate them in the real world. We try and replicate them in our lives. But the problem is, because they're backwards, what actually ends up happening is that the relationships don't build to this wonderful thing. The relationships start with this wonderful thing, then they break down to nothing. I think... The reason why we see so many broken relationships in families, with friends, in marriages, is because we've got it backwards. So this morning, I'm going to talk about when love turns into like. When love turns into like. A very wise philosopher called Michael Jones once said this, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. I want to know what love is. <laughs> so, 
Apparently, Michael Jones wasn't entirely sure what love was, but he sang a lot about it with Foreigner and made a lot of money, so he did okay. But it's actually a really good question. What is love? Is it a feeling? Like, this dude seemed to think it was. Is it an emotion? Is it a state of being? We talk about being in love. So is love a thing that you're in? Is that like... There was another very, very great philosopher realized how important this question was, how vital it was. This great philosopher called Madonna said, love makes the world go round. Apparently, love is a really, really big deal. I mean, if you go and look in the world, we talk about love. You know, we seek love. We celebrate love. I mean, it seems like every single person and their neighbor is an expert in love. You know, we love, we talk about it so much. There's love songs. There's movies about love. There's books about love. There's, there's doctors of love. You know, it's just, everyone thinks that love is just this thing that's the pinnacle of everything. Society tells us love is love. We celebrate this thing. So you'd think like, wow, we get this thing. And yet if you look in the world around you, How many people are actually lonely and sad? And how many relationships are broken? In Japan, they have this slightly bizarre thing that an increasing number of women are doing called solo weddings, where women are just giving up on love because it's too hard. So what they do is they have a wedding. And when I say a wedding, I don't mean they just go and say a little vow. Like the ceremony, the dresses, the guests, like they invite and they stand there on their own and they talk about how self-fulfilled they are and how they're marrying themselves for success. And they think, they think that that is a, something to be aspired to because love has failed them. I think the world has got it wrong. There's something that's not right here. For a world that thinks love is such an awesome, incredible, wonderful thing, they sure seem to do a lousy job of it. I read an interview with an actress. Um, <laughs> she said, I'm, really, I'm single and I'm very lonely, she said. Um, she was in a relationship which seemed very serious. And so everyone thought, celebrity couple, they'll get married. But she split from this guy. And when asked why, she said this, he's a good guy, but I couldn't marry him. I just didn't love him, love him anymore. The love just died. That's so tragic. I mean, I read that. I was like, yo, what's the betting that however great the guy is, when she's in the next relationship, eventually that love will die too? What? Fortunately, we in the church, we understand love. We get it. We do. John 13, 34 to 35 says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, 
Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is what it's about. When the world looks at us, it's our love for each other that says who we are and who we belong to. We get love. If the world are experts, we are the super experts. We are the gurus of love. That is why we never have church splits. People never leave out of offense. We never have people who avoid each other. We never have broken engagements. We never have broken relationships. And divorce never happens in church. <laughs> or, or is that not true? In actual fact, in the church, is it not true that often the same things that happen in the world happen in the church? We say the world doesn't understand love. Maybe we don't either. There is hope. And I think the hope starts with getting back to the basic of what love is. And I'm going to share on that. I think if we understand love as God means love, <laughs> you can be part of the most insane love story that would put Hollywood to shame. But before we get there, and I am going to talk about God's heart of love. I do think we need to do one thing first. I think the world has sold us a massive lie about what love is. And we've believed it. And even in the church, we've believed it. So the first thing I want to do is help us understand what the lie is that we've been taught and we've believed. Because if we understand what is not true, it will help us understand what is true. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay. So, first of all, we're going to ask this question. There was another great philosopher of the 20th century. You see where this is going. They said, what's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Tina Turner, in case you're wondering. And I'm going to start this explanation of the lie by making a very controversial statement. And I am going to explain to you why I say that. Okay? I'm actually going to use a lot of scripture this morning. I'm not apologizing for that because I want you to understand that I'm going to say some pretty radical things. I'm not going to say these radical things because it's my idea. I'm going to say these radical things because I think it's God's idea. And I'm going to show you from the Bible. So the radical statement I want to say to you is this. I'm going to suggest that love is not an emotion. I'm going to say it's not a second-hand emotion, it's not a first-hand emotion, even that, it's not even a feeling. Bear with me. I will explain. I don't think it's a state you're in. You know, people say you can be in love or out of love. I don't even think love has anything to do with that. But the world will tell you it is all these things. Because the world has told you what love is, and you've believed it. For example, 
The world tells you that love is an emotion. When you're attracted to someone's beauty, it's love. When, you know, you're walking along and, you know, there's this person who you've kind of been getting to know and, you know, your, your hand brushes theirs the first time. You're like, ah, that's, that's love. Or maybe, you know, that first stolen little peck on the cheek, little thrill, ah, that's love. <laughs> Truth is, those feelings, that's not love. It is an emotion. It is an emotion. It's another emotion, and God talks about it. It's called lust. Lust in the Bible is very simple. It just means a craving or a desire towards someone or something. It's usually sexual in nature, not exclusively, but it usually is. So in other words, if the thing you're feeling towards somebody is of a sensual nature, something in your flesh is, oh, that's not love, that's lust. Proverbs 6.25 says this, do not lust in your heart after a beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. Now the world tries to tell us that lust is actually love. <laughs> they confuse the two. They try and muddy the waters. It's a terrible, awful thing to do. But that's what the world does. That's why all these love songs talk about love this, love that, love that. And it, it, it's all actually lust. And even if the world recognizes lust for what it is, it still messes up what love is. So sometimes the world says, no, no, okay, I'll give you that. Lust and love are different. All right. I found this quote on a mental wellness website. <clears throat> I don't recommend this website. It's full of nonsense, but it says this. Lust is a feeling of having a strong sexual desire for another person. Okay, well, they got that much right. Okay, so they started well. It is the initial driving force that attracts us to a potential partner and helps keep the passion alive in a long-term relationship. Okay, this is going a bit skew now. How long lust lasts can vary but this phase of a relationship often continues for up to two years. However, over time, once a more deeper emotional con connection has been established, love can develop. Isn't it so encouraging to know that after two years of lust, maybe love can develop? <laughs> Isn't that like, wow, it's awesome. And if it doesn't, then presumably you can just find someone else you lust after, reset the two-year clock, and then see if that one ends in love instead. I find that an incredibly depressing way to see things. I really? But that's what the world teaches us. And I think a little part of it sometimes, that rubs off on us. We start to believe something like that is true. You might be getting an idea here of how maybe the world has got things backwards. Uh, point aside, sexual attraction is not a bad thing, right? Within marriage, okay? If, if it was and Adam didn't desire Eve, then none of us would be here. So 
I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, you know, should lust come before love or should love come before lust? You understand, right? So, you might say to me, you know what, Dan, I I take your point, but I think you might be overcooking the lust thing because love is other things. You know, what about when I'm in love with someone, I have that warm, lovely feeling of contentment. That's love, not lust, just the Well, maybe that's a bit closer to love. Maybe what you're feeling there is the effect of love. But the emotions themselves are not love. Let me give you an illustration. Thanks to ESCOM, I'm using my gas hob quite a lot for boiling the kettle. Because as an Englishman, I need to have my tea. Tea, tea is much better than coffee. And as for rooibos, that's not even part of the conversation. So to make my tea, what I do is I turn the gas hob on, and I light it, and a flame comes. I then put my kettle of hot water on, or cold water to start with. It boils the water. I take that water. I put it into a cup. I have the tea, and then it makes that nice it brews. And then I sit there, and I have a nice hot cup of tea. Okay. Is that nice hot cup of tea a burning flame? But it's hot, and a flame is hot. So is my cup of tea not a flame? Is it hot because of the flame? But it's not the flame itself. That is often what we do when we confuse the emotions that come from love as love. Love may give birth to feelings, but love itself is not the feelings. Feelings are great. God created them with us, right? So emotions are created by God. If we're feeling emotions, wonderful. But don't misunderstand the things you're feeling as the love. Just now we read that verse that said... (laughs) A new command I give you, love one another. Just think about that for a moment. If love was an emotion that you just feel, wouldn't it be a bit weird for God to command you to love each other? You can't command an emotion. If I said to Renee, Renee, I command you to love me. Do you think she'd be like, oh, So, God commands us to love each other because it's not an emotion. Although it may give rise to emotion, there's something else going on here. And I will come to what that is. We will get there. Don't worry. I'm just unpacking these things that maybe we've misunderstood. This is also why I don't like the term falling in love very much. Because unlike a big hole, which maybe you can't come back out of, People talk about falling in love and falling out of love. They say, oh, I mean, I like that actress. The love just died. I loved him, but I don't love him anymore. And no, it's just, you know. The problem is this. If we think that love is just a state of where we are, like being awake or asleep, or liking Man City or Man United or something, we just think it's a state of where we are, 
then what's to say that we decide we just don't love our wife anymore? And then we decide we love someone else instead. We fall out of love there, fall in love here. Then why not fall out love again? Love is much more than just something we happen to be in at this current point in time. Love is something else. It's a lie of the world and a lie of the enemy to say that love is something that just passes through. Now, at this point, you probably think, like, this is the most depressing preach you've ever heard, right? Like, all these lovely ideas you have, these romantic notions of love. And I've just come on, and I've just gone, like, nope. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of like, like, if I said to you now, okay, now you can all go home. That was, you'd probably feel a little bit flat for the rest of the day, right? So, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to tell you what love truly is. And I think you're going to be astounded at how beautiful true love really is. And to do that, I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to start with lots of verses, because I'm going to let God tell you what love is. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Did you get that at the end? God is love. In other words, God is the very embodiment of love. If you want to know what love in a person is, that's God. Love comes from God, and everyone who loves, that's truly loves, truly understands what love is has been born of God. Love is not an emotion. Some people say that love is an action. It's something that I in the past used to think. But I don't even think that love is an action. I think that love is an aspect of who God is. It's part of who he is. And because it's part of who he is, love should be a part of who we are. Not something that we feel not something that we're currently in a state of. It should be part of who we are. And we can only truly reflect that love if we're born of God. But love is more than just a part of who we are. If it's an aspect of our character that we build and grow so that we reflect God better, then what about other aspects of our character? Let's say that we're musical. If we're a musical person, what do we do? Play music. We listen to music. We do stuff with music. What if we are hyper-competitive? Not like me, I'm not competitive at all. But what if you're hyper-competitive? What do you do? You excel at everything. You get involved in sport. You'll get in, you play games. You'll do things. Your actions will reflect that part of the thing that makes you who you are. So if we are love, if love is part of our character and who we are, what will happen? That will result in actions. Things we do, things we say. 1 John 4 verse 9 says this. 
It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He didn't show his love for us by having a warm, fuzzy feeling. He did something about it that reflected who he was. This is what love truly is. Love is something that comes alive in us through our actions. Verse 10. This is love. These are God's words now, right? God's words, not mine. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. He loved us because he is love. So he did something. He sent his son. The world doesn't get to say what love is. The world might say love is an emotion. Maybe to them it is. They can keep that definition of love because I want to go with God's definition of love. So if love is an aspect of who God is, then it should be an aspect of who we are. And if we see it that way, Suddenly, there are verses in the Bible that I find, they're just like pop in color. It's like you see them in black and white before, and suddenly you're like, wow, there's beauty here. Take, for example, this verse. Don't put it up on screen yet. But there's a verse that says this. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. God does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Those of you who know your Bible well might know that I'm taking liberties with Scripture there. It's actually 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 7. And it actually says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. But if God is love... Isn't that true of God? And if God is love and that's true of God, he's calling us to love, love one another, just as he loved us. In other words, that should be true of us. If we really understand what love is, then it should be able to say this. Like if I said, for example, wouldn't this be amazing if someone could say like, hi, and I'm going to take you for example. If someone said, hi, is patient, Hein is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud, and so on. If someone could declare those things about Hein, they would, you would say, this guy is a guy who loves. That should be true for every single one of us here. People should be able to say those things about us if we understand what love is and it is part of who we are. At this point, you might be a bit shell-shocked. <laughs> you might be like, okay, I, I get that. Like, love's a kind of big deal. And maybe what the world says is love is 
not at all what God means when he talks about it. But what does this mean for us? Because emotions are real. (laughs) Emotions are real. God gave them to us. So how do we make sense of the world? And how do we practically understand that love is something that is part of us? And how it works out in actions. How do we practically make it real? And for that, I'm going to turn full circle and come back to where I started. When love turns into like. If true love is within you, then you might just find that you like, you you end up liking people a whole lot. And if you're not liking people a whole lot, maybe you need to grow in love a little bit. Sometimes when you let love grow in you, you end up liking people you didn't even expect, expect you would. I'll give you an illustration from my life. Many years ago in Josh Jen, there was a guy in in my congregation. He came up to me after church one day, and and he said he wanted a word with me. So I said, sure, no problem. What's up? And uh, he gave it to me straight, both barrels. He said he didn't like me. He said I was proud and that I was arrogant. I think what he was trying to do was give me a love sandwich, but he just forgot the bread and just gave me the meat in the middle. Um, so at this point, I was like, oh, okay, Brew, that's right, okay. Um, and I had a choice. I must admit, I didn't like him very much either, partly because of what he just said to me, and maybe there was an element of truth in it, but I didn't like him very much, and he clearly didn't like me. So I was like, what do I do with that? Do I just avoid this guy now? Do I go and tell everyone else about how, you know, so-and-so says so-and-so. Do you think you see that in me? Because I thought that was really horrible of him. What do I do with that? In a rare moment of clarity for me, and I don't have many, but in one rare moment of clarity, I just felt God say to me, you just got to love the guy. And love, as we've said, isn't just like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Because you know what? There was no way I was having warm, fuzzy feelings about him. And that's Okay. God didn't ask me to have warm, fuzzy feelings. He asked me to love him. So what did I do? Every time I saw him, I'd go up to him. Hey, Brew, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, um, how's the wife? How's the kids? How's your work? I found out what he did for a living, and I kind of looked into it just enough that I understood kind of what it was about so I could have a good conversation with him about his job, make him feel valued. I made a point. I'd go out my way. If I saw him across a room, I would go over there and I'd say, hey, how's it? How's it going? You know. Over time, and it did take time, but over time, the strangest thing happened. When he saw me across a room, he'd actually come up to me. Hi, how are you doing? Then... We'd chat, even when we didn't need to. We'd just connect. And we found out about each other's lives. And you know what? I ended up liking him a whole lot. So much so, he's still in Josh Jen. I would regard him as one of my most loyal friends in Josh Jen to this day. 
And it started off by not liking him. But you know what happened? I loved him. And in loving him, I grew to like him. If there's someone in church that you don't particularly like, that's okay. The Bible doesn't say you have to like everyone. Really. Read the Bible for yourself. Find somewhere that says you have to like everyone. You're not going to find a verse. But it does say something far more profound than that. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says this. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. In other words, that love within you has to grow, and it has to grow until it just spills out, so much so that your actions express that love to other people. If every single one of us in the church was doing that, do you think we might have end up liking each other a whole lot more. That's what we're called to. It's God's words. So we've said what love is not, and we've said what love is. God is love, and love is something about who we should be. But before I close... I do need to think about one very practical thing, how we handle situations of brokenness. Because the reality is, every single one of us is going to have been in a situation at some point in our lives, or may even be in a situation right now where we have a feeling that love has failed. where there's a relationship that's broken. But in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love never fails. So how do we put those together? How do we deal with the situation we may find ourselves in today where there's brokenness somewhere? God's words are true. So as I finish up, I just want to talk about this one thing. Love never fails. We are human, and we make mistakes. We may find that we've got a, a damaged relationship, maybe with a parent or a child, um, maybe even with a husband and wife. Maybe even it's gotten so bad that in the, in the past we've even considered divorce and things like that because the relationship just seems so messed up. But there's a beautiful hope that we can find in the love that God gives us. You see, God is love. And God's love never, ever fails. The answer to any situation you're in right now where you're facing a broken relationship is not to run away from the relationship because God doesn't run away from us. The answer to any broken relationship you're in right now is actually to allow God to fill you with his love until it overflows. When we reflect God's love, that is the start of healing. Psalm 147 verse 3, it says this. He, that is God, heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. I'm going to say something that might be a little harsh. I did say that I'd be saying some controversial things this morning. 
But I think we have to be real and honest with ourselves. Because we don't have time to mess around. Love does not fail. As people, we do. We have to own the reality that love does not fail, but we do. Sometimes, even when we try and do the right things and say the right things, unless we're doing it from the love that is within us, we're still going to fail. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says this. This is Paul speaking. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge. If I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I'm nothing. A good friend of mine got divorced very recently. And they said this to me when I was talking to them. They said, I tried everything, but in the end, the marriage just failed. And they certainly tried stuff. They did counseling. They even tried you know, spending time, finding common interests, going on holidays. You know, they, they tried all these things, but in the end, nothing worked. Why? Because my friend was trying to fix things rather than go to the one place he could go where there could actually be healing. He never went to the foot of the cross. I think we can do the same. We can often try and fix a relationship or a marriage. You know, we, we think we need to fix it. Maybe we think, ah, the solution is to fix the other person. Because generally speaking, we don't see things in ourselves. We think, if we fix the relationship, fix the other person, everything will be okay. We'll get there. Our job is not to fix the other person and is not to fix the relationship. It's to allow God to fix us. And where does God fixing us start? It starts with us growing in love, being more like Christ, who is love. 1 Timothy 1.5 tells us this. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. If we want to grow in love, there's no space for other stuff. We make a choice. We say, I'm going to put aside those other things, and I'm going to allow God to work in me. And you know what? I find that incredibly comforting. You see, the world says that love is something that comes and goes, that it's fleeting, that it's unreliable. But love is something we choose when we give ourselves to God. It's something that comes from a sincere faith. And as we do that, the Spirit works in us, and all kinds of incredible things happen, things that help in a relationship. Seriously, God says so. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, forbearance, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
So if we want to grow in love, if we want to make love part of who we are, so that our actions speak of the love we have, so we can have healing, so those rich emotions that God gives us can be born out of a place of health, spend time with God. Read the word. Turn away from the things that hold us captive to sin. Spend time with your brothers and sisters together. Fellowship together. Grow in love. And as you do that, yes, you may need to have counseling or good advice or accountability. There may be practical things you need to be put in place. But if you come from a place where you're allowing God's love to work inside you, it's going to have power. Because those things will work through the power of God within you. And that brings true change. So you may have friends who've hurt you. You may have drifted apart. Maybe they're even friends in church. You're feeling as a distance. You might have family members you don't talk to anymore. You may have a husband or wife that's caused you pain. Or causing you pain today. You may even have an ex that you don't feel like they deserve love because they've hurt you so badly. Just remember one thing you caused God pain. You don't deserve love. I don't deserve love. But God is love. So He loved us anyway. Luke 7 to 47, verse 47 says this. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. If you've been forgiven by God for your sins, then someone who you've hurt more than you can possibly imagined showed how much they love for you by dying on a cross, giving everything that was worth anything for you, sacrificing everything for you. You are massively loved more than you can possibly imagine. That, my friends, is the most incredible love story in the history of the universe. While you were still enemies of God, he loved you and he brought you to himself. So do you not think that we should love a whole load as well? Even to people who've hurt us? Even to people who are hurting us? Because love isn't an emotion. Love is something that is part of who we are when we understand who God is in us, when we are born of God. And our actions and the things that we do and we say will show love. And you know what the most incredible thing is? When we love, even to people who've hurt us, it's amazing how actually like can grow from that place. So this morning, we took a fresh look at love, what the world says about it. We looked at what love is, who love is. And I just want to use the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians, uh, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. He says this prayer, and really this prayer is my prayer for us this morning. This is my prayer, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Pure and blameless. Every one of us ready for the coming of our King as we grow in love. So I think this morning, maybe I've stirred up something in you. Maybe there's something that I've said which has challenged you and you've thought, maybe maybe I haven't quite understood this. Maybe today you're thinking, I'm in a situation right now where I need to grow in love so that I can reach out to that person who's hurt me or is hurting me and love them. I'm going to open an opportunity for us to actually respond just now. But before I get there, there's one more thing we need to remember. We can only truly love, the Bible says, if we're born of love, if we're born of God. I don't know where all you guys are at. It would be amazing if you are already, every single one of you, born of God, and you have God's love within you, ready to be grown and to abound and overflow. But maybe there's someone here who doesn't know what that is yet who doesn't know what it means to have God's love within them. So before I ask for another response, I just want to speak to you right now if that's you. If you want to know this God who is love and be part of this incredible, better than Hollywood story of true love, this morning is an opportunity for you to be part of this story, to experience that for yourself, true love poured out. So I'd like to just lead us in a prayer together. So if I could just ask for us, if you can just pray with me. So I'll pray, and then together as a church, we'll pray this as response. Those of you that already know Jesus, just pray this as a rededication of yourself to the God who is love. So if we can just close our eyes and we'll just pray. You can pray after me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are love. Thank you that you sent your son to show your love for a sinner like me. I am sorry that I have walked away from you. I'm sorry for the pain I have caused you. But this morning, I give my life to you. Help me to be reborn in you. Change me by your spirit and give me your heart of love. Amen. Amen.